Yeah, good afternoon, friends. Happy Friday. Welcome aboard. Rob Breckenridge with you here as we get set to close out 2023, our final show of 2023. And yes, let's begin with the news out of Ukraine as we get closer to the second anniversary of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Today, Russia launching, uh, at last count, we believe uh, 122 missiles and 36 drones across Ukraine. Uh, striking in civilian areas, striking a maternity hospital, striking an apartment building. Uh, Ukraine's Air Force says they've never seen so many locations targeted simultaneously. So it's certainly a reminder uh, of the challenge that Ukraine still faces uh, in fending off this Russian invasion. Whether this marks any kind of an escalation on Putin's part, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Uh, but this conflict uh, does continue to, to drag on here, unfortunately, as we get into uh, the third year. Uh, of this conflict. Joining us uh, for some thoughts uh, on all of this, very pleased to welcome in the program here this afternoon, uh, Earl Braun, Professor of International Relations and Political Science at the University of Toronto, also an associate with the Davis Center at Harvard University. Professor Braun, good to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Thank you. First of all, let's talk about the missile attacks today. Just, uh, you know, in terms of sheer numbers, it's it's quite something. What does its uh, signal is signify to you? Russia is sending messages to the domestic population in Russia that they're winning. They are testing Ukraine and they are testing the West. This was a vast attack that has resulted, according to the latest reports from Kiev, in at least 30 people uh, dying. It's a, it's a terrible loss. Uh, there were targets that were civilian, as, was, as well as military industrial targets. The uh, manufacturer of uh, missiles and aircraft pa parts in Kiev, uh, the Atom factory was also hit. But this was meant uh, both to inflict pain, but also to terrorize Ukraine, to test the West, uh, to tell the West that Russia will continue fighting and that Putin is not giving up. Well, that much is clear. I mean, you know, certainly this, this war has come at a tremendous cost to Russia, both in terms of the, the financial cost of waging this war and the, the toll that this has inflicted on a generation of young Russian men. But uh, Putin seems, uh, you know, determined to see this through, whatever that is. He doesn't have much choice because of the kind of regime that he runs, he cannot afford to lose. If he loses, he's gone. Uh, he's not going to get to retire and write his memoirs. In this kind of system, you either win or you have no uh, uh, back, uh, uh, backup plan. There's no plan B to this. And so even if he doesn't win in our terms, he has to be able at least to pretend that he is winning. This is a repressive regime. This is a tyranny. And what we see is that tyrannies and terrorists are testing democracies. They are testing our endurance. Are we going to continue to support other democracies? Are we going to support Ukraine? And we know that uh, the support that Ukraine was counting on, there's something like $50 billion that was to be allocated in United States. That is being held up. And uh, Vladimir Putin uh, may not be able to win in real terms, but he believes that the West can lose. Well, look, I mean, if as you say, we're at a bit of a tipping point here in terms of uh, providing support to Ukraine. I mean, absent that support, you know, a Russian victory could, could very much materialize. It wouldn't be so much as Russia winning as the West and Ukraine losing. Right. So far, if you look at it objectively, Russia has done terribly. 
This has been a strategic disaster for Russia. We know from various intelligence sources that they now have uh, leaked uh, a lot of material to the media that at least 315,000 Russian soldiers have either been killed or severely wounded uh, to the extent that they cannot participate. This is an enormous loss. This means that Russia has lost more soldiers in Ukraine than in all of the conflict that it has participated in since the end of the Second World War. We know that today's attack, for which they seem to have saved up uh, a lot of these missiles, uh, these uh, missiles, 158 missiles and drones together, would have cost at least $1.2 billion. They can't afford to keep doing that. But what Putin is counting on and what terrorists around the world are counting on, including terrorist regimes such as Iran, that the West doesn't have the endurance, that the West is not willing to step up on a sustainable basis, and that the West, which to Vladimir Putin and to Islamists is morally corrupt, the West will just fall apart, and that is the only way they can win. Otherwise, Russia does not have the capacity to do so. They do not have the resources. Uh, there are all sorts of negative indications inside Russia. Some mothers are protesting that their sons are uh, being drafted, that they're being killed. Uh, hundreds of thousands of young Russians, some of the brightest uh, in the country have left because they do not want to be drafted into a military which is a high likelihood that they would be either killed or wounded. So there are enormous problems within Russia, and the only way they can prevail is if we, if we give up, basically, if we give up on Ukraine. Right. And Russia prevailing in Ukraine does not mean an end to conflict, I don't think. And I think there's some real concern about uh, where Putin might set his sights next. So to, to think that, that Russia winning somehow equals peace, what, what are your concerns about European security if Russia can claim some victory here? Well, you are entirely correct, because with the kind of regime that Russia runs, where there is no real domestic legitimacy, uh, the economy is not performing well, uh, the uh, uh, Russian... Uh, uh, population uh, uh, is uh, uh, normally giving support to Putin, but in reality, they are very concerned about this kind of conflict. So Vladimir Putin has to look for external wins. And we should remember that when he started this war, he wasn't just demanding that basically Ukraine give up and that he would take over the country under the myth that uh, he was trying to denazify and to demilitarize Ukraine, and Ukraine was not a real country. But he also said that he wanted basically to roll back NATO, that the enlargement of NATO post-1997, that had to be reversed in steps. So if somehow Vladimir Putin were to succeed in Ukraine, if Ukraine would collapse, then he has far larger ambitions, and those ambitions uh, then would... Uh, confront the West in a way in which we would have very little choice. But once NATO countries are involved, then we have Article 5. And now we know that Finland is part of uh, NATO, and the Russians have moved uh, a very large number of artillery pieces up against the border of Finland. They are threatening Finland. Sweden is on the verge of getting into NATO, provided that Erdogan finally stops his uh, blackmail of NATO. And so they're on the line as well. And I think a Russian victory would not be the end of the conflict. It would likely be the beginning of larger conflicts.
Conversely, though, if, if Ukraine gets the supported needs, you know, how realistic is, is Ukrainian victory? What, what does that look like? It's a good question because this is where there's a lot of debate. Would it mean taking back all of the territory? Mm-hmm. Would it mean that Russia would come to a peace table humiliated and, and, and basically uh, accepting whatever terms are imposed? Or would it be that at some point Ukraine would get back most of its territory, get to join NATO, uh, and then Vladimir Putin would try to somehow uh, massage the message and try to claim some victory by holding on to parts of Crimea, and would that be still a win uh, for Ukraine? I think even in such a situation, uh, the Putin regime ultimately would collapse mm-hmm. because the people in Russia would realize that they have lost an enormous number of lives and a huge amount of treasure for what? For nothing. And uh, even if Ukraine is just able to sustain itself at the current level and continue to inflict the very heavy losses on on Russia, eventually uh, the Russian will to continue and the ability to do so may may dissipate. Let's not forget that dictatorships tend to look very strong and stable until all of a sudden they are no longer strong and stable. So there may be far more vulnerability in the case of Russia. Uh, More than 600 days after they started this conflict, they have not managed to conquer Ukraine. In fact, Ukraine has taken back about half of the territory that Russia had taken over after the attack, the second invasion of Ukraine in February of last year. And they continue to inflict a huge amount of uh, damage on Russia, but they need to be resupplied. They need to have the economic aid. The West has to step up. And if we don't do that, then what so far has been a disaster for Russia and, of course, a horrible tragedy for Ukraine, that uh, uh, may uh, may be all lost because uh, uh, Vladimir Putin cannot afford to give up. We'll see what the new year brings us. We'll leave it there for now. Professor Braun, always do appreciate the insight. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Thank you. All the best, sir. Uh, that is Orel Braun, uh, professor at the University of Toronto, also an associate with the Davis Centre at Harvard University.